This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Uh, what, what do colored eggs, Easter egg hunts, rabbits or bunnies, and hot cross buns have to do with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? You see, we live in a world today that is so commercialized these holidays that we've lost the meaning of the holiday. Easter, what is it? Maybe we can dig into it today and find out. Just watch this video clip. Dad, are you painting a face on an egg? Yes, I am. Have you lost your mind? No, it's for Easter. Oh, Easter. Right, okay. What's wrong with Easter now? I just don't understand what it's all about. Why do you give me chocolate? How do you mean? When I ask for chocolate, Mum said, no, 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 not good for you. Sometimes you give me more chocolate, what I can eat. Like when? Easter, Halloween, Christmas, my birthday. Okay, okay. The country has been by obesity. All our celebrations have loads of chocolate. I suppose you're right. I don't get the characters either. What characters? The Easter characters. We learned all about Easter at nursery. Yeah? Our Easter bunny and Jesus' best pals. Well, not really. It's Easter Bunny and the Bible. Does, does he carry a basket of eggs all the time? Well, the thing is, he's not really in the... Does Jesus totally love chocolate then? Well, the thing is, Easter Bunny's not really in the Bible. What do you think Jesus' favourite chocolate is? Eh, uh, I, don't, I don't think he had a favourite. My favourite's buttons. Listen, Isla, lots of people believe lots of different things, but the most important thing is... That we have fun together. You know what I really don't get? What's that? Bunnies don't even lay eggs. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought, that sounds like most of the members of my church. Because how do you explain to people the Easter Bunny? I mean, I was, I was at the shops the other day, and I happened to walk through the, the mall, and Every shop has an Easter bunny, has eggs, has, I mean, all kinds of things. And, and, and I thought, now, what is this that we're doing? It's Easter! I said, yeah, okay, but what is it, Easter? It's Easter bunnies, it's chocolates, it's hot cross buns. Isn't that right? But see, I know that many of you that are believers in Christ think, no, no, Easter is the resurrection of Jesus. But the truth of the matter is that Easter has nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, as a church, I don't think I've ever had an Easter celebration in our church. People get upset with me. They say, you don't do very much over the Easter holidays. I said, you're right. But we do celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But I would like to help you and dig a little deeper so that you can give an answer. In Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. In Jeremiah 10 verses 2 and 3, 
It says, Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, for the customs of the people are vain. Mark 7, 7 through 13. How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition or traditions. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which you have delivered. And many such like, and many such like things do ye. And then Timothy says this. He says that we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed but rightly dividing the word of truth. Are those scriptures not going up? Just didn't have that one? Okay. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. You don't have that one either? Okay, that's great. I love it when a plan comes together. It says, when you enter the land, I, 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 I need you to listen to this. It says, when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire or who practice divination or sorcery or interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells or is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Now, those are all powerful scriptures. And you say, well, pastor, we live in the New Testament. Well, you know, we have flogged that horse to death. The fact of the matter is that the Old Testament didn't go away because of the New Testament. The Old Testament is teaching for you and I. It's instruction in paths of righteousness. And under Christ, it doesn't mean that we can practice divination any more than we could out from under Christ or in the Old Testament. It doesn't mean that we can practice heathen practices, occult practices. And I know that most of us probably haven't really even studied the occult. We've not really studied these occult practices. But can I tell you something? Occult practices are creeping into our society at a very alarming rate. You're seeing it in all of the Hollywood movies now. Not some, all of them. Including your children's movies. They are peppering them with occult symbols, symbologies. Uh, 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 not only symbols, but practices. Most of your main entertainers today have drifted towards the dark side. They've drifted to doing occult practices on the stage. Some even go so far as to say that they're channeling spirits. But this goes all the way back in time. God destroyed the earth at the time of Noah because of these kind of practices. And now we see that they're creeping back in and they're even in the church. So what is Easter? Well, the Oxford Dictionary, the English Dictionary, I thought that would be good for English-speaking people, the term from the Queen's English, the term Easter is derived from Easter, 
Estre, really, the name of a goddess whose festival was celebrated at the vernal equinox. What is the vernal equinox? Well, it's when the sun moves from the southern hemisphere across the equator and it begins its springtime rotation in the northern hemisphere. So the sun moves across the equator and begins to be in the northern hemisphere, creating the first day of spring. It has nothing to do with anything other than the seasons based on the, not the lunar, but the solar, the sun calendar. Now we know that the sun worship that we spoke about at Christmas time is tied to this. And this was a worship to a goddess to celebrate the sun moving across the equator. Compton's encyclopedia says Easter comes from Easter, an ancient Anglo-Saxon goddess of the dawn. Well, the dawn of the springtime, the, the, the new dawn of the new spring. In, and, and, and in pagan times, an annual spring festival was held in her honor, known as Easter. Okay, so the origins of Easter. Well, let's just talk about that. At Christmas time, I shared with you how Nimrod was born and he reestablished idolatry on earth. And these are the pagan roots that have crept into the church. We learned that after Nimrod's death, he was called the sun god. He was called Baal. Baal and his widow, Semiramis or Semiramis was called the queen of heaven. So Baal married Semiramis or Semiramis and they had a child named Tammuz. Okay, we see these pictures all over the place and I know many people say, well, this is the Virgin Mary and Jesus. Well, if you'll notice, they all have these rings around their head that are sun rays. We know that those sun rays are about sun worship. These were sun gods. And what happened was the church embraced them when we embraced a certain amount of paganism as the church and we were infiltrated. Various cultures today worship the queen of heaven. These pagan idols just have different names. The Greeks called her Aphrodite. Uh, the Syrians, the Phoenicians, and the Canaanites called her Ashram or Ashtoreth. To the Canaanites, she was Astarte. To the Ephesians, she was known as Diana. The Northern Europeans called her Easter, O-E-O-S-T-E-R. She is known as Iana. The Assyrians called her Ishtar, Ishtar, I-S-H-T-A-R. To the Egyptians, uh, Semiramis was Isis, also called Ostara. And called Semiramis or Semiramis. The Romans named her Venus, and to the Babylonians, she was called Bealtus. So, all these things, and, and you know, I remember studying mythology in, in college, studying mythology in, in, in high school, and, and, and thinking, well, what does this have to do with anything? And all these stories, I, I thought they were just nice stories and people's stories that they told. 
this wasn't stories. This was worship. This was gods that these people worshipped. And these were entities. And these gods demanded terrible things be done in their name. So we know the story. At some point, Semiramis or Semiramis died. And it is said that she was sent up to heaven. But apparently, her deceased husband, Nimrod, the sun god, that is Baal, was not ready for her. So he sent her back to earth in a giant egg. Now, this, ex- this egg exploded in the Euphrates River. And the first thing that she did when she came out of the egg was to turn a bird into an egg-laying rabbit. Now, I know that sounds crazy. But, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Go look at any encyclopedia and they'll tell you this is where this all stems from. And so, here's how we get our egg-laying rabbit, the Easter bunny. You have to understand, in, in these cultures, fertility was a very big thing. The egg symbolized fertility. She was known to be the goddess of fertility. It was part of tradition in honor of her to practice the dying of eggs. In fact, the practice became in some parts, in some places, part of a sacred blood ritual where they would actually sacrifice animals or they would sacrifice humans and they would dip these eggs in their blood. Now, I know that that sounds far-fetched. And, and you know, uh, uh, 20 years ago, I would have told you, until we begin to see some of the same things happening today in the child trafficking and child sacrifices that are taking place around the world today, even in this country. And on more than one occasion, I've had to deal with business people in Zimbabwe who have admitted to the fact that they have killed children and sacrificed children for financial gain. Now, we don't like to admit these things, but I'm telling you there is a dark side to the worship of demons and the practice of demonic religions. And this is very powerful. You have to understand that the devil's been around a long time. His job is to rob, to kill, and destroy, and to infiltrate the truth. The official color of the Easter egg at the White House and at Buckingham Palace is reported to be ruby red. I wonder why. Is it just chance or is there symbolism behind these things that we have not studied? I think if you go into this you, and study it on your own, the Bible says study to show yourselves a proof. The more you study, the more you probably don't want to know, okay? Now, I'm not saying that we associate Easter with the celebration of the bare-breasted fertility goddess. But the fact remains that for thousands and thousands of years in history, this idolatrous practice had been carried out by most people in the world. Only the name of the gods and goddesses have been changed. But it's carried out for thousands of years, long before Jesus came, long before God intervened in the affairs of men. These practices have been taken care of. Now, you have to understand, God takes idolatry very seriously. 
But it's amazing how this kind of idolatry creeps into religious practices without even realizing where the origins are from. In Jeremiah, and I want to show you a few scriptures today, chapter 7, verses 17 and 18, it says, Do you not see what they're doing in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead the dough and make the cakes to offer the queen of heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods and arouse my anger. In Ezekiel, this is what he says here. Again, he said, you will see them doing things that are even more detestable. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gates of the house of the Lord, and I saw women sitting there mourning the god Tammuz. He said to me, do you see this, son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. Now, the god Tammuz is the child that was a virgin birth of the sun rays of Baal into Semiramis, and this child was born. Do you think that the devil didn't know that there was coming a virgin birth that would save the world? Do you don't think he would try to copy it and try to deceive as many people as possible? So here we see these two stories. Well, here's how this is practiced in the church today. The cakes that were offered to the queen of heaven today, why is it that we make hot cross buns? What are, what are they for? Oh, it's the cross. Well, we've Christianized it. But why would, why would you have a special season where you have a special bread that's baked? I know it's tradition, but which tradition? Is it biblical tradition? What about the 40 days of weeping for Tammuz? Well, it correlates to the 40 days of Lent leading up to Easter. Lent became a 40-day season of self-denial leading up to the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. But the celebration always fell on Easter Sunday, which was the date of the venal calendar's beginning of spring. I want you to know something about Lent. Lent is always preceded by 14 days of partying. In some parts of the world, it's called Mardi Gras. In other parts of the world, it's called carnival. And if you go to a Mardi Gras and you see what goes on there, it's total debauchery. If you go to carnival, it's total debauchery. And they have these at all the seasons where the sun changes. These are sun god worships. These, are, these, these fit right into the calendar. And this leads up to the time of Lent. And on the night at midnight... When Lent begins, it's over. Tuesday night, it's called Fat Tuesday. And on Fat Tuesday, that's when everybody, up until, right up until Wednesday begins on the sun calendar, it's over. So for years, when I was in Bible school, I, for two years, led teams to Mardi Gras. And we would go to witness and to take the gospel to people. You've never seen more sin and debauchery ever. 
And you can't even imagine how people can become more wicked. And I'm sure it's more wicked now than it was then. Here's the amazing thing. During Lent, people fast. Amazingly, they fast meat, especially pork. But as soon as the fast is over, amazingly, people eat large amount of pork as part of a ritual to pay back for the boar who killed Tammuz. Tammuz, this god, not a very powerful god, but he was killed by a boar. And so to pay it back, they eat pork. I wonder why we have the ham for our Easter. How many of you are going home for hams? A nice ham, a nice... (laughs) You know, guys, I know sometimes you think, you're just drawing this out. Listen, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just trying to help you see that there may be more to all these things we do than just these traditions that we thought were just, well, yeah, they're innocent traditions. And I'm not going to make more of it than it really is. I'm just saying, if we don't know what we're doing, are we being led down a path that we may not want to be involved in? Sunrise services. How many of you have ever been to a sunrise service? These were performed by pagan priests to honor the sun god. At the sunrise service, the priests of Ishtar would impregnate a number of virgins at the altar. Then they would take the babies of the virgins of the previous year, which were now about three months old, and they would offer them as a sacrifice to Ishtar. Then they would take the eggs of that sacrifice and dip them in the blood of those children. Now, guys, I'm not making this up. You could just go to any encyclopedia you want to, and it tells what these practices were. Sunrise Ishtar service. Anybody having cognitive dissonance this morning? How many of you are saying, no, 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 I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this? I'm going to get to my point in just a minute, okay? In Ezekiel 8, verses 16 and 17, Then he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord, and there at the entrance to the temple between the portico and the altar were about 25 men, with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. They were bowing down to the sun in the east. He said to me, Have you seen this, son of man? Is it a trivial matter for the people of Judah to do the detestable things that they're doing here? Must they also fill the land with violence and continue to arouse my anger? Look at them putting the branch to their nose. This was a form of worship uh, that was sun worship, sun god worship. It crept into the church then. God hated it. He hated it then. He hates it now. We don't worship the sun. Oh, no, it's the son of God. I know that, I know that, I know that. But why is it that it's so familiar to all these other rituals? I'll tell you why. Because Easter was not originally practiced in the honor of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It had been and continues in many cultures to be a fertility ritual with sacrifices to various gods and goddesses. 
Like I said earlier, as a church, we have always celebrated resurrection, the resurrection of our Savior. But we have also learned to do it in the time period that it probably took place in. Now, how did this get into the church? Well, the answer to the question lies in the early history of Christianity, specifically at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD when Constantine was the emperor of Rome. And he helped to formulate Christian doctrine. In fact, Alexander Hislop in his book, The Two Babylons, said this. That Constantine, to conciliate the pagans to nominal Christianity, took measures to get the Christian and pagan festivals amalgamated. And by a complicated but skillful adjustment of the calendars. So Constantine, who was really not a Christian... He was a Mithrist. He followed Mithras. He combined these things because the following of Christ and Christianity had grown so much to consolidate his power, he decided to combine pagan holidays and Christianity together. In 325 AD, he thrust himself upon the church as the emperor of the then known world and changed and, and, and began to get, formulate Christian doctrine. Again, in the History of the Jews, volume number two, by Heinrich Graz, he wrote this. At the Council of Nicaea, the last thread was snapped, which connected Christianity to its parent stock. The festival of Easter had up until now been, established, had been celebrated for the most part at the same time as the Jewish Passover. And indeed upon the dais calculated by the fixed and fixed by the Sanhedrin in Judea for its, celebration, for its celebration. But in future its observance was to be rendered altogether independent of the Jewish calendar. You see, once you move away from the Hebrew calendar, once you move away from the biblical calendar, the biblical patterns, then you can put anything in. And we did. We moved away from the calendar that is based on the sun and the moon, that God said he set the sun and the moon to give as seasons and times and for feasts. He, he gave that for us. But we moved away from that. We went strictly to the sun God. Or if you're an, in a Muslim, you go to the moon god. You worship the moon god and you have the lunar calendar. But God used both. What happened here was that it became law to practice Easter. The churches in Asia Minor continued observing the biblical holy days and festivals of Passover, unleavened bread, Pentecost, Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles. But these soon became outlawed, and anybody who practiced these were persecuted. So believers were being persecuted now for celebrating biblical feasts. That's also where the rise of anti-Semitism began to come in the Christian churches. The Christian church has been the number one persecutor of Jewish people. It was Christians who, who persecuted them under the name of Christ. We even called them Christ killers. We have to understand that there's a lot of history here that we have to be very, very aware of. 
But God had and has a chosen people. They're called the Jews. And God deals with them in a very specific way. And then you and I, through the blood of Jesus, got grafted into the covenant of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, because of what Jesus did. He paid the price for us. So here's a question. Is Easter anywhere in the Bible? Yes, it is. In Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So Herod was going to wait till the pagan festival of Easter to deliver Peter to the people. Now I know somebody says, no, 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 no. That word Easter is mistranslated. It should say Passover. No, because if you look in verse 3, the Bible tells us that during this time it was the days of unleavened bread. Passover had already taken place. Passover is the first day of unleavened bread. Numbers 28, verses 16 and 17 says, On the 14th day of the first month, the Lord's Passover is to be held. On the 15th day of this month, there is to be a festival for seven days called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. For seven days they eat bread made without yeast. So it was the days of unleavened bread, and he's going to wait till Easter before he kills Peter. Because he's going to please me. Herod doesn't care about God. Herod hates God. Herod's a pagan. That had enough knowledge about Judaism that he could rule in that country. But his God was Caesar. And he served Caesar as God. That's how he got the place, the position he was in. According to scripture... If it is the days of unleavened bread, then the Passover has already taken place. See, Easter is nothing else than Astarte, Isis, Semiramis, Beltus, the queen of heaven. This is the celebration that Herod was keeping because he doesn't care anything about the Jewish Passover. So let's just talk about Passover, okay? The other night we were with some people. We had a Passover meal. We on the day of Passover this year, decided, hey, let's practice a Passover meal. So we went and had, it was delicious. It was delightful. We had more fun than anybody should have. Celebrating our Lord, celebrating what Jesus did, celebrating the coming out of the Jews out of, uh, out of their bondage. That's what it was originally. But it speaks to what Jesus did on the cross. The roots of Easter predate Christianity. It was practiced long before Jesus, but Jesus commanded his followers to keep the Passover. And he says, if you do this, he says, do it in remembrance of me. In Luke 22, verse 19 and 20, he says, and he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. 
So we understand that the Passover spoke of Jesus. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. He says, you've been celebrating it for the Jewish release. It had symbolism then for the Jews. He says, now it has symbolism for your freedom. You're being taken out of the captivity of Satan, out of the captivity of darkness, and being brought into the born again, the resurrected life that I'm going to provide for you on the cross. It's a new deliverance. It's a new dispensation. But he didn't get rid of the Passover. He just said, do it in remembrance of me now. Now, in spite of solid evidence, which shows that the observance of pagan, the pagan practice or of Easter has pagan origins, and the customs and symbols used in its celebration have nothing to do with the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, some will still say that Jesus was risen on Easter Sunday morning. But there are two glaring problems with that argument. Number one, Easter is always dated from the venal equinox, not the crucifixion date. And if Jesus was three nights in the grave, there's no way that he could be resurrected on Sunday morning. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you have ever read the Bible and you say, how did he do that? How did Jesus stay three days in the grave when he had the Last Supper on Thursday, was crucified on Friday, and resurrected on Sunday. I guess they had different math back then. <laughs> Have you ever been confused? Have you ever tried to explain that to somebody? How many of you have come up with some elaborate explanation? Well, uh, mm, mm, mm. well let me show you a couple of graphs here. Look at the Constantine graph. This is what Constantinian Christianity teaches. It teaches that on Friday, Jesus is crucified in the daytime. Jesus is buried before sundown. And so Jesus is buried for one night, one day, a second night, and then he's resurrected on Sunday, a total of 36 hours, a day and a half. That's what we teach. Can you see that? Is that biblical? So here, 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 here we are. Jesus is buried sometime on Friday. Good Friday. Thursday they had the... That night he spent in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was picked up in the evening on the Thursday. And then Friday somewhere at 9 o'clock in the morning he's crucified... At 3 o'clock, he's taken off the cross. He's dead. And they have to get him in the ground because it's Friday. The day of the... And the Sabbath starts right now at, at, at sunset. So he's one night, a day, and a night in the grave. Boom! And he resurrects on the Sunday. You see, even Jesus, when he was asked... For a sign to prove that he was the Messiah that was sent from God, what did he say? In Matthew 20, 12, Matthew 12, verse 39 and 40, he says, No sign shall be given you but the sign of Jonah, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The truth 
that Jesus is the promised Messiah hinges on whether or not he fulfilled that prophecy or not. In fact, Muslims use this apparent discrepancy in their attempts to prove that Jesus is not the Messiah. They accept him as a prophet, but they will not accept him as the Son of God. They vigorously argue that from Good Friday to Sunday morning only calculates to 36 hours, one and a half days, and that he was not in the grave three days as he had promised, as he had prophesied. Therefore, he can't be the Messiah. Now, this is an extremely vital subject. Why? Because the gospel and Christianity itself breaks down if Jesus is not who he said he was and did not fulfill his own prophecy. The truth is that Jesus was crucified on the Passover because he was and is the true Passover lamb. But let me explain Passover to you. First of all, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8 says this. For Christ, our Passover has been crucified or has been, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast. That's Paul speaking. Paul says, hey, uh, Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed. He is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He was sacrificed for all man's sin. Did you notice that Christ is our Passover? Did you understand that Paul is instructing the church to celebrate the feast of Passover and unleavened bread? Because the gospel or the gospels reveal that Jesus was crucified on the day of preparation. Now let's get into this. Many people assume that the day of preparation was a Friday. Preparation for the Sabbath, which is the preparation for the weekly Sabbath. And that logic would appear to be true if you only understood the weekly Sabbath. But Jesus, cru- Jesus was crucified on the Passover, which is always a preparation day for the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the first day of which is a high Sabbath or an annual Sabbath. So there is a Sabbath. Every, every week there's a Sabbath. It starts on a Friday night and goes through Saturday night. If you go to Israel with us, you'll find out that on that day, nobody works. Nothing works. Nothing works. The elevators don't work. It's true. They have a Sabbath elevator. It opens and closes and goes to every floor all by itself, so nobody has to push the button because that's considered work. The Sabbath is very important to a Jewish person. It's very important to God. So let's just look at the graphic up here of the real story of crucifixion. Wednesday, Jesus is having the Last Supper. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the Passover, the Passover Supper. On Passover, that night, they they pick up Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. They take him and they have him tried. And at 9 o'clock in the morning, he's crucified. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, before sundown, they take him and put him in the grave. In the Jewish faith, the day begins at sunset. 
on the Jewish calendar. It does not begin at sunrise. See, that's where we're... That, sun worship, the day begins at sunrise. But Jewish, the Jewish faith, it begins at sunset. So, he's buried before sunset, before sundown. One night and one day, he's in the grave. Two nights, two days, he's in the grave. Three nights, three days, he's in the grave. Somewhere at sunset or after sunset on this night, he's resurrected. Mary shows up before sunrise, before dawn, to find the grave is empty. And Jesus has been resurrected. And he is the first fruits. 72 hours, three full days, Jesus was in the grave. Doesn't that make sense? There was a fat, the Passover is a feast that is celebrated once a year. Once a year. It is a high Sabbath, a holy Sabbath. Jesus, being the Passover lamb, was betrayed and crucified and then buried for three days to be resurrected just as he said he would be. You see, John's gospel account actually mentions that this approaching Sabbath was a high day, meaning the first day of unleavened bread. Now, it was the day of preparation, it says in John 19, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. The next day was to be a special Sabbath. The Passover always occurs on the 14th day of the first month of the year on the Hebrew calendar. It can fall on any day of the week. The following day, the 15th day, would be the first day of unleavened bread, a high Sabbath. That's why they were in a hurry to get him off the cross because, hey, he'd had the Passover, but guess what? The, the, the high Sabbath is on the 15th. We've got to get him off that cross. We've got to get... You can't have a dead body on the cross during the Sabbath. Like I said earlier, on the Hebrew calendars, days begin and end at sundown. When Christ was crucified, Passover fell on a Wednesday that year. You can go back in time. Because it's the Hebrew calendar, you can go all the way back in time and you can go all the way ahead in time and you can find out when it's going to happen. So, it began, Passover began the Thursday night. He is the, is the first night. Thursday is day one, okay? Day two, day three, starting the night. So one day, two days, three days. And then on Sunday, Yeshua is risen. But he had already risen. Before Sunday morning. Can you understand that the, 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 the days start at the night? Does that make sense? All right. So Jesus. I, I don't know about you. I get confused sometimes. Because I don't think like a Hebrew. I don't think this way. I don't think that the day starts at night. I always think the day starts in the morning. I'm a sun, I, I grew up in the sun god calendar. The Gregorian calendar is a sun god calendar. So we've been programmed. We, but to, to study the Bible, to understand God's feasts, we have to go back and say, oh, that makes sense. 
In fact, we know that Jesus was put in the grave by Joseph of Arimathea at sundown, which was the beginning of the unleavened bread of high, or the, uh, uh, the day of high, the high Sabbath. Before sundown, Jesus was in that grave, which means he was buried that night, day, night, day, night, day, and resurrected that next day, that night. And, and then we only found out on Sunday. Now, Jesus remained in the tomb for three days and three nights. That means he fulfilled his prophecy that he, that he committed about himself. So let's just go through it one more time. From sundown on Wednesday to sundown on Thursday is one day. From sundown on Thursday to sundown on Friday is two days. And from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, which is the weekly Sabbath, would be three days. Is that making sense? So Jesus rose at sundown at the end of the week, the end of the weekly Sabbath. And that's why the tomb was already empty when Mary Magdalene came early Sunday morning while it was yet dark, the Bible says. If Jesus had risen on Sunday morning, he would have stayed in the grave for three days and four nights, which would have made his prophecy null and void. The crucifixion of Jesus was not on Good Friday, but on a Wednesday Passover. And from Good Friday to Sunday morning counts to only one and a half days. Therefore, Jesus was in the tomb for three full days, three full nights, and rose on Saturday at the end of the Sabbath, not on Sunday morning. So today, we celebrate the fact that Jesus did die on the cross, and he did pay for mankind. He paid for all of our sins and sinfulness. We, fa- we celebrate the fact that he truly was buried for three days and three nights, and that his father raised him from the dead. And I'm not trying to confuse us, but I am trying to help us understand that if we're going to read the Bible, we need to read it through Hebrew eyes. We, need to read, we, have to, we have to study this Bible. We can't just take things at face value. We live in an age when you can get a hold of this material. I'm asking you to study to show yourselves proved. Now, we're not going to go back into legalism. And if somebody's going to have ham for lunch today, don't get mad. If you have Easter egg hunt today and you're going to have Easter eggs, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying, you know... We don't all get to the same understanding at the same time. But Easter eggs and Easter bunny and hot cross buns have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But they do have their roots in paganism. Now you may not, you say, well, I don't know that. I didn't know that till now. Now you've ruined it for me. (laughs) No, I'm educating you. Why do you do things you don't know anything about? Because we've been infiltrated. The church was infiltrated by paganism. And as believers, wouldn't you rather just really understand what it's all about? The world doesn't care about Jesus. And the world is not trying to celebrate Jesus. All they're trying to do is get you to buy some Easter eggs. They're just trying to commercialize this thing. But those of us that love our Lord and Savior that 
saw what he did for us and the price he paid for us on the cross. That's, that's why we're here today, to say thank you. Thank you that your word is so accurate that we can study it. We can figure this stuff out. We can find out that, hey, that was a Sabbath. That was Passover. Passover is different than Sabbath. It's a high Sabbath. And it tied in perfectly. And Jesus was our Passover. This is amazing. So what are we talking about today? Maybe you're here today and you say, man, Pastor, I never knew all that. Sometimes people visit church on a Easter. It's the only time they come to church. It's okay. But you know the truth now. Jesus is your Passover. Come on. And if he's our Passover, if he's the firstborn, that's why we must be born again. That's what it means to be born again. He was born, he was raised from the dead as the only begotten of God so that you and I could become sons and daughters of God through what he purchased for us as the sacrificed lamb. Our Passover. That's why I don't make a big deal about Easter. I don't ever talk about Easter. We talk about Resurrection Sunday. We talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Because Easter is a pagan practice. Tried to Christianize it. But Easter goes all the way back to the names of those false gods. That's where it was named from. We serve the one true God. And his son, Jesus the Christ. So I'm going to ask you, right where you're at, just to bow your heads. And let's think about that for a minute. Think about what Jesus did on the cross. Think about what this resurrection Sunday means to you and I. Perhaps you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know. I've never really had to face my conviction towards Christ. But today, I can honestly say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus as the Christ. I don't know him as Messiah. I'm kind of like those Muslims. I thought he was a good man. He's a prophet. No, he's a lot more than that. He is the Son of God the only Son of God. And He's the only Passover. He's the only sacrifice for man's sins. God designed it that way and prophesied it. And Jesus fulfilled every prophecy concerning His that concerned Him. And ours is to respond to God's grace towards us. Ours is to say, Oh God, thank you that you paid the price. Religion, even Christian religion, makes people pay terrible prices, riddled with guilt, riddled with shame. But Christianity, in the form of our belief in Jesus, liberates us from the yoke of bondage. It allows us to accept what he did for us and become sons of God, daughters of God. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.